Thank you for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. We're dealing with another principle, but they're all related in this Corinthian passage. Uh, we're actually looking in chapter 9, but before we do that, let's, let's do a quick review. In, in chapter 8, Paul dealt with the idea of idols and meat that has been offered to idols. He actually dealt with two separate things, with the meat that was offered to idols, and then he dealt with the idea of going to the temple and participating. Um, and we noticed that that's two separate things. For those that uh, were bothered by whether you should eat meat or not that's been offered to idols, he said there's no such thing as other gods, didn't he? And then when he dealt with the idea of going to the temple, participating in a uh, sacrifice, he said, don't you know that that sacrifice is a sacrifice to demons? Now, Paul said, when, when it isn't black and white, when a judgment isn't black and white, what should you use as your guide? Can anybody tell me? What do you use as your guide? All right, let me ask you this. <laughs> if, if you run across someone who believes that eating meat to idols is absolutely wrong, do you eat meat in front of them and say, ha, ha, ha? What do you do? Okay, so the principle in abstaining and all of that is a word that we call love. In fact, Paul, throughout Corinthians, and we've got to take this home with us, Paul, throughout Corinthians, says that love is the the guiding principle that should lead us in all of our decisions. Love for one another, respect for one another. He said, and in chapter 9, he's going to talk about, as Christians, we have certain rights. As apostles, they have certain rights. But guess what? Paul is willing to give up rights if it means bringing someone to Christ. And so we're going to take a look at that uh, today. person that wins souls is what? Wise. Wise. Okay. It says here that uh, Paul reminds his readers of four personal freedoms he has given up 
in order to guarantee the salvation of others. Now, we're going to take a look at these four areas. The very first one is this freedom to be compensated for his preaching. Uh, I think that Paul was getting some criticism, some false remarks that was being said by him or about him to, to say things like, well, he's, he's just in it for the money or, boy, I wonder how much money he's getting doing this. When you look at uh, verses 1 through 13, let's, uh, let's read that. It says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now, there's reason to believe that some people considered Paul an inferior apostle. Well, why would they say that? Why would they say Paul was an inferior apostle? Let me ask you another question. <laughs> Did Paul walk and live with Jesus? like the other apostles did, like Peter, like John? No. The, some would say Paul didn't walk with Jesus like Peter did. Paul really is not a super apostle. He's kind of a, eh, a person that thinks he's an apostle. So Paul is probably getting all kinds of criticism about his apostleship, um, about who he is. And basically what he's saying here, what he's saying here is, you're my seal. I went to Corinth and founded this church. You are proof of God's blessing on my life as I have started the church there. Uh, now, he goes on to say in verse 3, my defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. I want to stop there for a second before I finish that. Paul is saying that he has certain rights. He is, he's mentioning here that he has a right to be fed. People to give him food. He's saying he had a right to take along a believing uh, wife. Some of the apostles Apparently, we're doing that. And not only some of the apostles. Look at the second part where it says, the rest of the apostles and the, what? Brothers of the Lord. 
Now, I, I really believe Jesus had brothers. We know that. One was James, okay? And we know, we know that. But it's mentioned there. I just wanted to point that out. And Cephas. Now, does anybody know the other name for Cephas? Peter. Yep. And Peter. He says, Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? You know, He's getting, apparently, a lot of criticism here. He says, Who at any time serves as a soldier at his, uh, at his own expense. You know, a soldier's paid for their work, aren't they? So, he says, A soldier's paid. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? If, if you would, turn to Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. Okay, when we look at this, it reads, You must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Right. He quotes that in Timothy. But what he's saying is that if, a, if an ox can have food because they work, we ought to too. It's part of the law. And that's how the Jews interpreted that particular scripture that the rabbis were to be cared for. And so he's saying, you mean I don't have this right? He asks, it's, it's in the law. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is in threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? He says, that principle is applied to people, to humans. Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. He said, if, if, you, if you make the crops, you plant the crops, you cut down the crops, then you ought to share in the, the product. Uh, right now, around our house, wheat is going down. And uh, I've, I've been fascinated to watch uh, Farmer Jeff, that's what we call him, <clears throat> as, he, as he does the wheat and rolls it and gets it ready. It's, it's kind of, to me, it's very interesting. But they're allowed to share in the crop. Now he says... If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. But we endure all things 
so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. You know, Paul had a habit of going into a city, preaching the word of God, and not asking anything for it. But once there were believers, and they believed the message, he would ask to support his work. Uh, He did not want to be a hindrance. And yet he had the right. He had the right to go in and, and ask people. He wanted them to give from their hearts, not out of compulsion. So Paul is saying, I've given up my rights that I have because I don't want any hindrance to the gospel of Christ. You know? I, I want to use an example, if I may. There are those who feel this COVID is a hoax. There are those who feel the mask means nothing, and it's a hoax. Now, I happen to feel that there's evidence that masks help. Now, for the person that believes we should be wearing masks, I would say, I don't want to be a hindrance. If, if you feel that, out of love, I will wear a mask. I don't want to be a hindrance to anyone. That's why Sunday mornings you'll see me wearing a mask out in the lobby when I'm around people. Now, like I said, when I preach, I have a hard time because of my voice the way it is right now and being able to, to project like I should with a mask on. And I try to stay away. But it is love that should always compel us, shouldn't it? Love should be the driving force of everything we do. And Paul is speaking about a love he has so that the gospel would be preached, and he doesn't want to have any hindrance to that gospel message. So he has given up certain rights. He's, and he also mentioned that when it dealt with meat. He felt that meat, there's nothing wrong with eating meat uh, that's been dedicated to idols. But for those who have the weaker conscience, as he put it, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. Now, he's going to get into this a little bit more. Uh, verse 13 says, Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? Now, he's talking about the Jewish temple here. It's important that you understand that. He's not talking about the pagans' temple. But he said, 
you know, the, the priests, when they offered, they got part of that offering. And they were allowed by right to have that. Uh, he says, verse 14, So also the Lord directed those who proclaimed the gospel to get their living from the gospel. I, I know of people who've said uh, preachers shouldn't be paid. Yeah, of course you hear all kinds of things. Preachers only work on Sunday and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the idea here is that the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. It, it's, it's acceptable. Uh, and, and I've done both in my life. I, I've held down three jobs at once uh, while I was a minister because the church could not afford to pay me. And that's okay. Uh, but you do have this right. Verse 15. But I have used none of these things. And I am not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case, he's, in other words, he's saying, I'm not telling you this so that you support me. <laughs> I'm telling you that this is the way it is. What occupation, other than an apostle, <laughs> what occupation did Paul have? He was a tent maker. Remember that? And he would go into a city Repair tents, make tents, sell tents, so that he would have money to support himself while he's preaching the gospel. I mean, that's how serious Paul took that. And he says, For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. He he does not want to offend. He says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now he's saying, I'm not telling you support me. Let me tell you, Jesus met me on the road to Damascus, and I was commissioned by God to preach to the Gentiles. And so what he's saying there is, no matter what, if you paid me, doesn't matter. I am commissioned by God to do what I'm doing. I mean, that's how strongly Paul, Paul deals with that. Now, verse 17 for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. In other words, Paul's saying, you know, I'm compelled to do this because God has told me to do this. He says, what then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Paul is saying, I have given up my right to 
take money from you so that I may preach the gospel and not be a stumbling block. And yet, this Corinthian church, you're going to see as we go through this, accuses him of all kinds of things, falsely. Now, here's an example. This, this was of our authors, but in Haiti and other countries, there's many missionaries that, especially in Haiti that we saw when we went there, there were preachers there who did not take money from the people. Now, they took offerings, but it was usually to go to a mission or something. It is the Christians from the United States who gave money to help support that, that mission that paid his salary. And that's kind of what you, you see going on with Paul. It's the same principle. Now, freedom to be compensated for his preaching, he's, he's given that up as far as it goes from the local people there. He says, freedom from tradition and opinion. Now, verse 19 says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. What's that mean? Can, can someone just explain that to me? For though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. He's put himself out there for them. Yeah. Yeah, he's given of himself. You're right. He put himself out there so that he can win others. Yeah. Well, we definitely have to be separate from the world. And, but to be a light, you have to be in darkness. So you have to go to the world. And you have to be different than the world. So, in verse 20, he said to the Jews... I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law through though not being myself under the law so that I might win those who are under the law. <laughs> what Paul is saying is that he says when I've been around Jews I understand Jewish things. He was a Pharisee. He understood Jewish law. He says, so I did Jewish laws. And if you look at the life of Paul, right before he is arrested, he's arrested in uh, Jerusalem. He is giving an offering at the temple, a Jewish offering of a vow. Of a vow. And he is doing that as a Jew. Now, in, according to the Bible... Uh, we find out that we are not under the law. We, we don't have to follow the law. Paul didn't have to follow the law. But he followed the law so that he could talk to the Jews about Jesus and show them the freedom that Christ gives. 
And he said, to those who are without the law, what does he mean by that, to those who are without the law? Those who are not Jewish, the Gentiles. So he says, to those who are without the law, the Gentiles, the ones he's working with in Corinth, the pagans, who have now accepted Christ, he said, as without law, though, although not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Now, Paul is the only one that uses that phrase, the law of Christ. What do you think the law of Christ is? Give me some what you think the law of Christ is. Yeah. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. The law of Christ is just plain love. Love for one another. He said even though we don't follow the law anymore, Christ has freed us from all those Jewish sacrifices, from all of those Jewish things. He said, even though we've been freed from that, we follow the law of Christ, which is exactly what he's been talking about for the past three, four chapters, and that is love. That's the law of Christ. He says, so that I might win those who are without the law. He says, when I'm around the Gentiles, I don't act like a Jew. He said, now, he's, don't, don't get this wrong. He's not compromising his faith, okay? But he said, I am free to show Christ to you through love. And isn't that the best way to show Christ? Really? You heard me say this last week. I believe I said it last week. There's a song out that's, I love quartet music, and there's a song out that's sung by uh, Gordon Mote, I think, about a, a man who, who uh, is going to church, and, and he listens to the preacher, and the preacher stands up, and he says, I've got three words for you today, love, 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 and he sat down, and that was his sermon. Well, in this song, he says, that's the best sermon I ever heard. Was how love, how love controls us. And how love directs us. In fact, all of the law can be summed up with the, with the law of Christ. Love. Love God, love your neighbor. Didn't Jesus say that? The greatest commandment is to love God. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor. So Paul is saying the law of Christ needs to rule in everything we do. The love for the Jew, I'll be Jewish. The love for the Gentile, I'll be Gentile. Now, he won't participate in sin, but he wants to win people to Jesus. In verse 22, he says, To the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, 
so that I may by all means save some. Love of Christ is the driving force behind Paul. And he wants this church of Corinth to follow the same path of love. But they've got all these divisions. They're arguing about which apostle is the greatest, which one uh, they follow, uh, what, what, uh, it, who is the greatest speaker. Uh, they argue with each other. They have lawsuits against each other. They're doing all kinds. They're even, and we're going to get into it, saying one gift is more important spiritual gift than another spiritual gift. They're doing all of these things not following the number one rule, the law of Christ, love. And and like I said, when, when I talked about COVID, my heart goes out to those who are really frightened. I mean, really frightened. And I don't blame them. They're not a good thing, is it? No. It is real. And so if that means that, that I wear a mask, I will wear a mask. If that means... Uh, helping in any way, I will try to help because the law of Christ rules me. Now, he says in verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. He's, he's saying the gospel just, just pushes me to love. And to partake of the rewards that I'm going to get in heaven. He said, I, Paul's basically saying, I don't need the rewards right now. I'm going to have the rewards in heaven. And sometimes when, have you ever had someone mistreat you? Yeah. Or say something that really hurts you. Or I have. I've had people misunderstand totally uh, some things that I did because I was trying to help and they totally misunderstood and the opposite was said and that hurts. And I have to remind myself that this is a matter of I'll get my reward. God knows my heart. God knows where I stand. God knows the intentions of everything that I have done. I will never hide that from him. Ever. Paul subjected himself to other people's religion. He subjected himself to other people's tradition. He subjected himself to a wholly different culture. I mean, Corinth is totally different than Jerusalem. And, and missionaries who go end up having to do that very same thing, to look at the traditions of the time, culture of the time, and the religion. He says, I, I'm going to have yeah, freedom from tradition and opinion, freedom from the demands of the law. Paul knew in his heart he did not have to make various sacrifices, things like that. 
He did not have to follow the law. But you know what? We read about Paul trying to get back to Jerusalem to uh, celebrate the Passover meal. Now, he was free from the law, but he wanted to do that to be with his fellow Christian Jews. So he's freedom from the demands of the law. Do you know there's two ways to, to be saved? Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, two ways to be saved. One way is to follow the law and never sin. Now, how many of you can do that? <laughs> no. Nobody. There is only one who did that in total obedience, and that was Jesus. For me, the law system's just not going to work. I've already messed up. <laughs> I'm already a failure at following the law and being so good and perfect and not sinning. But even then, there's going to be something that you have done. So the other way is a faith system, and that is Jesus. N notice the diagram that it has a uh, law system on top, faith system on the bottom. This faith system allows me to put my faith into Jesus Christ who followed the law perfectly and was without sin and he died for me and that's the faith I have in him because he lived it perfectly. And you see how that's tied together? Jesus did that for me. He did it for me. Look at uh, verse 27. He says, but I discipline my body. I love the King James. I buffet. Oh, buffet. <laughs> I buffet my body. I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, what is Paul getting at there? Yeah, I try to really live a life that is pleasing so that people don't look at me and say, well, he sure doesn't practice what he preaches. Paul deals with that. And then there's not only freedom to be compensated for his preaching, freedom from tradition and opinion, freedom from the demands of the law, Freedom to do what his conscience permits. He is free to do what his conscience permits. Look at uh, 23 through 24. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Gee, that last statement, isn't that the law of Christ? Love? So he seeks to do 
the loving thing. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things edify. He'd say, I, I don't have to give a sacrifice to uh, the temple. But that would be a stumbling block to some Jews. So in love for Christ, he may go to Jerusalem on the Passover. Or he may do some other uh, vow sacrifice. Because he does not want to be a stumbling block. And look what they accuse Paul of. He destroys the law of Moses. The very thing that he tries to avoid is what people accuse him of. Has that ever happened to you? The very thing you've tried to avoid is what someone said about you. That's frustrating at times. He says in verse uh, 32, we're going to jump there to 32. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. I want to stop. There's a particular line of thinking that the church is that the church is Gentile. I don't know where that came from. Because that's not true. The church Paul mentions is Jews that have become believers in Jesus Christ and Gentiles who became believers in Christ. It's for everyone. And here he says, give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. He names three different kinds of people here. He says, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many so that they may be saved. Why is Paul doing this? Someone tell me. Why is Paul doing this? He wants people to be, thank you, saved, (laughs) right. He wants people to be saved. That's why he will love in such a manner. Now, Paul had had boundaries here. And it's it's kind of interesting. In the the boundaries that, that he had... He realizes that that God the boundaries that he set himself was that he would never go against God. That is the center part. He'd never go against what God said. There's four things here on those boundaries. That he did not offend, he would not go against God's word. And then he did not want to go against his own conscience. His own conscience. And then he did not want to go against the conscience of unbelievers. And then lastly, he didn't want to offend the church. He was free to say, do many things. 
because of his superior knowledge, his, his experience, but he restricted himself. Some versions say he became a slave to certain things so that the gospel could be preached. There's an interesting passage about Jesus in Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Who, although he existed, meaning Jesus, in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Before Jesus came to this earth, and he was known as Jesus, before he did that, he lived in heaven, didn't he? As deity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, he was known as the Word in heaven. That's what he was called in heaven, the Word. You look at Genesis, and uh, I find it really fascinating you find that, that God speaks and creation happens. That's the word in action. That's Jesus. He is the word that became flesh then and came to this earth. Now stop and think about, in order to be a human being, in order to be a human being, Jesus gave up some things, didn't he? In order to be a human, he gave up his position right next to God. His equality with God. And he didn't take that, you know, flippantly when he gave that up. He said, when he became a man, when Jesus was born, was he born talking? No. When Jesus was born, did he know all things? No. He chose to come as a human being. And according to Luke, the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature. But having the nature of God in him, he learned as a Jew and he learned from God, the Father. He chose to limit himself. You, you know, the Trinity used to always bother me. Has anybody ever struggled with that? No one? I, I really did. I almost did too, Tom. Yeah, I, I, uh, I thought, well, how can Jesus be God and pray to God? I mean, to, in my little mind, it went something like this. Hello, God. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm fine. But you know that. Yes. And I know you. Oh, okay. You know, he made certain limitations on himself to come as a human being. He was 100% human. He was 100%. His nature was God. And he chose to learn as a human. And to go through the Jewish faith as a human. 
And he knew when they were wrong. And he corrected the Pharisees, did he not? But he chose to empty himself. That's what that means. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Wow. Stop and think about the rights that Jesus gave up. Man, if I always said, if I were Jesus, then some guy was slapping me and whipping me and taking a crown of thorns and putting it on my head. That thought would have come into my head. I'll show you. But with Jesus, he gave up certain rights that belonged to him to come as a man and to die for our sins. So Paul gives up four freedoms in order to preach to man and in order to not to lose the least, okay? By that I mean uh, uh, so that he can go and preach to as many as he can. Someone will always be offended, won't they? Yeah. No matter what. Paul understands that. So what kind of lesson do, do we take from this? And please take it home. Uh, this is not just history. This is livable application. And the lesson that we take from it is everyone's soul is important. The one who thinks it's wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols and the one who thinks it's okay. Every soul is important. And the boundary of our freedom is love. What do, will we give up in order to be loving and to show love? Paul is going to get to that great, great love chapter. And now you know why he's leading up. He's talking about, church, you need to love one another. You need to show love. And then he's going to get, and they're so messed up over their gifts, their spiritual gifts. Mine's better than yours. Mine's more important than yours. That's our lesson. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.